Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. 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 Hey, we are the Equity Young Members Committee, and this is the Young Members Podcast. Welcome. Each episode, we're going to be talking about something different. Something different. Something different. We'll talk about something different. To do with our union, our industry, and all the people in it. Made by equity members. For equity members. Happy listening. I'm Michelle Ashton, and I'm on Equity's Young Members Committee. And today, I'm going to be talking about child performers with Matt Hood. Hello. Hi there. Um, so, Matt, could you just... Um, Briefly tell us a little, little bit about your role um, at Equity and what you do. Thank you, Joe. So my name is Matt Hood, as you said. I'm uh, one of the two deputies for the General Secretary here at Equity. I look after the membership side of what the union does. So not the industrial work, the negotiations, but uh, making sure that the services that we provide for members all work correctly, making sure that the finances run properly and making sure that people can join and make the most of their membership. Okay, great. So um, I'm right in thinking you've done quite a bit of work in terms of child performers um, and and equity. Yes, I mean, I've been involved with child performers uh, for a while since we lowered the age for child performer members down to the age of 10, which we did about 10 years ago. Um, and I've had a keen interest in making sure that child members can join us and that they get the best out of their membership as well. Okay. Um, so cause you've been doing this for quite a while. Do you think the way that social media is being used for casting do you think that's changed the way that performers uh, child performers get work i mean social media has definitely had a huge impact on, on members in general and sourcing work i mean those traditional routes through through spotlights a lot of the time are, are becoming more open which is great for access it means that there is more chance for people to get cast in productions who aren't perhaps part of those that are in the know uh, it gives a, the ability to expand from our business being run on just who it is that you know to a more egalitarian, more merit-based uh, society, a more merit-based uh, industry, which is good news. Uh, but it comes with with you know plenty of, of pitfalls, as you can imagine. Uh, the most obvious is, is you just don't know who's behind a lot of these online social media castings. And I think the first thing that, um, that people need to be wary of is who are the people that are posting these jobs? Do uh, research into working out whether these people are bona fide casting professionals, do they belong to one of the two main casting bodies here in the UK, the, the Casting Directors Guild or the Casting Directors Association? Do they have a history of, of actually casting in real productions? You know, and sometimes that can be quite difficult if it's television commercials. It's easy to find out who's cast, you know, big budget movies, large TV or, or, or theatre. But you know, commercials by their very nature kind of come and go pretty quickly. So there is unfortunately more homework to be done, I think, for people who see social media castings or, or castings online in general, as to what is the veracity of those casting opportunities. And, you know, giving the union a call to ask us to say, you know, I've seen this, um, you know, is this person real? Is this actually an equity production? Um, you know, we're, we're always happy to help. 
unfortunately, the old adage, if it's too good to be true, it's too <laughs> good to be true still, um, still applies. Most film and television in this country, around 99% is made on equity agreements. So if you see somebody saying, here is a big budget feature film, and it says under it non-union, or here is a, an HBO series, and it says under it non-union, it's almost certainly a scam. Those, those productions do not shoot on non-union contracts in the UK. Yeah, and I think even, because I saw um, a casting for, um, I think it, they wanted a 10-year-old or something from a well-known casting director, and they actually, at the bottom of the casting call, put their data protection policy and safeguarding policy at the bottom of that. So I think, you know, that's that's another thing to, to look out for. In general, the history of kind of casting minors has been more behind closed doors for safeguarding reasons, you know, happening between, um, you know, producers and casting directors and and the kind of schools, the established schools that train uh, child performers in particular, because with all parties knowing exactly who they are in the process, the ability to make sure there was nobody coming into that chain who was suspect, obviously was was safeguarded. Uh, yeah, as things have become more democratised and more liberalised, yes, there's more opportunity, but but with opportunity comes, you know, unfortunately, opportunity to, to, to scam people or, you know, or, or, or to have other malevolent intentions. So, you know, it really is uh, uh, important that child performers and, and their parents and guardians are on guard if something comes to them through that sort of uh, avenue. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, because I've worked at quite a lot of stage schools and opportunities to, you know, do sometimes come through there. Um, but there are also some stage schools that are run by casting directors. So um, it's one of those things where you wonder, is that an ethical thing for them to do? Or, you know, is there anything to prevent potential bias towards their own clients? Um, and some of them are also agents too. Um and do you have any advice really for parents who might feel pressured into choosing those particular schools in order to get cast? Or do you think it doesn't matter so much? I mean, stage schools and you know, even schools for, for older uh, young adults have always tended to have their agencies attached to them. And that is, a, that is generally thought to be a good thing, that you know, these are people who have trained the, the children and young performers in, in their craft and they're best able to pitch them for work. And I think that that sector is quite well established and quite um, quite well regarded. The, the biggest issue we have is production companies having a tie-up with talent agents where the actual payer, the, the engager, has its own agency and it puts its own clients into its own productions. And, that, and then you know, presumably takes commission on their own contracts. Takes commission, but also <laughs> there's no chance of getting a, a look in there you know, and you, you will see that if, you know, if, if you spot, um, you know, quite well-known talent companies now moving into the, the producers. And that, that certainly is a concern for you. you know, what you're talking about is a slightly grayer area of casting directors who are, mm -hmm. who are hired to find uh, talent and uh, schools and, and, and agencies. And what, what should be quite clear is there's no double dipping on the way in which people earn their money in that chain. But if you are a casting director being paid by a producer to find you talent, you cannot be then taking commission off the talent that you find as well. Um, and certainly that that is something I think for people to be wary of, that if somebody is hired, being hired as a casting uh, professional and is taking a commission off the talent, you know, that is certainly a, a, a dubious um, practice. And that, that I think is a thing to look out for. Mm -hmm. If they're casting people but not charging you, uh, they're not taking you know money from, from both 
both clients, um, then whilst it might not be the, the, the most ethical thing, at least the, the financial setup is, um, is as good as it could be in those circumstances. Yeah, because it can be it can be really difficult for parents to, like to tell things as well. So I'm just going to stop for a second. I keep hearing doodle doo. Is that my computer or your computer? I don't know what is it. Is it your is it your email coming through? Yeah, so uh, I can turn the sound off without turning you off as well. That's the uh, yeah. Uh, we'll just try and power through it. <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. Stop sending me emails. That would be so much more helpful. <laughs> you're just very very busy. That's how hard you're working. What can I say? <laughs> um. Yeah, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, because um, it can be really hard for parents to tell these things, especially if they're not part of the industry themselves. Um, you know, my like my cousin was approached when she was about three or something um, about, you know, a, a child modeling agency, an acting agency. And, um, you know, my auntie had me to, to talk to about it. And it's one of those where, you know, come for a free test shoot and then we'll try and charge you lots and lots of money for photos. So, because I know Equity's done a lot to stamp out talent agencies who try trying to charge, you know, illegal joining fees because, you, you know, you, you can't do that. That's illegal. It's got to be on the commission of work that you gain. But this particular one was trying to charge like £500 for photos and a website fee, you know, for you to appear on the website. So what do you think parents can do when they're looking for new representation and, you know, what should they be looking out for? Well, I think the key thing for everybody in our industry to remember is, is the relationship that performers have with their, their agent. And, and quite simply, performers hire an agent to perform a service for them. So the agent is not hiring you. And I think particularly with child performers, there's that mis. Uh, understanding about that relationship that somehow you have been selected by an agency and, and you know there's a, a certain amount of gratitude that comes with that arrangement well that isn't the case you are hiring an agent to represent your your child or, or yourself to find you work um, and they earn their money by delivering that service of finding work now there are ways in which under UK legislation some fees can be recouped by an agency which are legitimate you know if, if you have to have photos printed, well, you know, you can pay, you, you can ask the client to pay for the cost of those photos, but it's at cost. It's not a chargeable um, endeavor by which you can make profit. So it costs you 30 quid to get your headshots printed down at Boots, then, you know, 30 quid is what you get charged and that's fine. Um, you know, website fees, there is a, there is a nominal fee to, to host web pages, but it is very nominal. And if someone's saying it's 500 quid a year to go on my website, that is nowhere near related to the actual costs of that web entry. I mean, we, yeah, if it costs you five quid to put somebody up on a website, frankly, I think you're still being overcharged. So <laughs> there, there is there are legitimate costs under law. It'd be great if they, if they were. It would make things much easier to give somebody a blanket piece of advice and say, no, you can't pay anything up front. But there are legitimate fees which an agent can charge their clients. But if you remember, you're hiring that agency, you don't like what they're doing, you've got the ability to walk away from that relationship and say, I'm going to go and engage a different agent who's going to provide me a better service, get my child, get myself better work from, from those opportunities. And if you remember as a performer that you are the person hiring them um, and the person therefore in charge of that relationship, that's a useful way to, to conceive of it. Yeah, because I think there can be quite, you know, a lot of flattery. Because I remember when I was first starting out, you know, when I first left drama school and just getting that bit of interest, it is, you know, it is exciting. It is. And you start to think, oh, but, you know, if I turn this person down, then, you know, will I ever get another opportunity? But, 
you know, I found that actually they do. They do come along, you know. You may have to wait a little while, but you'll find the right match eventually. There's always in our industry this fear, I think, of, of you know, saying no to people um, and wondering what the consequences would be. Well, if you say no to somebody, for example, who is not going to pay you to do a piece of work, maybe they will not not pay you to do some work again in the future. But the people who do pay you properly to do that work are not going to be influenced by the fact you're turned down because of your own self-respect and the value of your own work doing free work for somebody else. So, yeah, sometimes producers, perhaps agents will, will over egg, um, you know, what it means to reject them. Um, but it's usually overstating. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, you know, trying to look into this because I'm kind of coming at it from three perspectives in that as because um, I do acting and voice coaching. So I work with quite a lot of young people um, and I'm also I'm in a cooperative agency. So um, we don't represent children, but um, we do sometimes put the like children of our clients forward. Um, my, my daughter and myself have just gone in for, you know, gone in for something today. Um, and so obviously as a mum also try <laughs> i mean my my daughter i've never pressured her into into going into it in any way because i know how hard it is but um she's she already kind of is showing the signs of like acting things out to herself and pretending she's got a sock puppet on and things like that um but one of the kind of minefields of of trying to work with a child is well i mean there's a uh, licensing is a, a bit of a nightmare because it's quite inconsistent across local education authorities in terms of, you know, how much time a child can have off school or how quickly the turnaround is. Because like, I've sometimes seen castings that want a licensed turnaround done in seven days or they've called for kids on an open license, which which isn't a thing. Like, that's not even legally a thing. Um, but a, a lot of LEAs state they have a 30-day turnaround. So... You know, is there anything that can be done about addressing that inconsistency so that kids can have the same sort of opportunities no matter where they live? I mean, it's one of those classic postcode lotteries, the licensing system for children in this country at the moment. So yeah. The biggest issue, I think, is is that licensing is still misconceived. It's an old hangover. It's an anti-truancy measure. It's what child licensing at the moment is. Uh, you know, across, across not just entertainment, but other industries, it's designed to make schools accountable for the time off education that children have. Um, and it's not designed primarily to safeguard children in the workplace. Yeah. And I think there needs to be um, you know, a shift of emphasis in the way that works. Some, some local authorities do very good at, at very good diligent work on the licensing and good follow-up as well in terms of safeguarding and, and visiting uh, children's workplaces. Others who turn it around quite quickly, parents are usually very happy because that's brilliant. You know, the work that the licenses come through and, uh, and hey, we can do that commercial <laughs> on, on Saturday. Um, but it, it's not, you know, it's not really totally fit for purpose, the licensing system at the moment. Now, there's there's an in, uh, a body called the National Network for Children uh, in Employment and Entertainment, the NNCEE, uh, which Equity has been involved with over the years as well. It's a good online resource um, for people who have children looking to, to work in the industry. They have some things on their website like guidance for how to complete the licensing application forms in a standard way. And also guidance on how, what the questions actually are on the forms, uh, as well as standard forms um, examples as well. So 
I mean, that's one of the best resources, I think, for, for parents and, and for producers who are looking to engage children is, is the NNCE, because whilst I don't think standardised approach from local authorities is, is on the cards at the moment, most local authorities have participated with the NNCE and, and through that network have shared experience about how to grant and deal with licences. But one of the biggest issues is the number of personnel in each local authority's licensing department. Yeah. You know, one person who's part-time, um, some who are based around film and TV studios have, you know, half a dozen or more who are there to make sure that, um, you know, that, that people can uh, get licensed quickly. And, and there are a lot of, you know, falsehoods like the open license, which, you know, doesn't exist that are perpetuated. And I think the NNCE's website is, is the best place to kind of bust some of those myths as well. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One age group that is really difficult to kind of address in that sense is... um so young people who are like just out of licensing so that 15 to 17 because you know you can if your birthday is in august you leave school in june and you're out of licensing but you know you are still only 15 um so are there any particular safeguarding procedures that are in place for them like are they entitled to ask for a chaperone or are they just going to be treated as an adult uh, i mean we, we just concluded a new agreement with pact which is the producers alliance for cinema and television uh, for the engagement of minors in feature film production um, and there's details on the active website that's, a, uh, you know, within the last week that agreement's been struck for the first time, which guarantees minors 50% um, of equity standard rates of pay, which is a, you know, a first, um, and also means they also get their share of the back-end payments, so the royalties that get paid out for DVD sales, for online streaming, for, you know, all those auxiliary uses other than the cinematic uh, release. Now, in that agreement, the, the definition of a minor is up to school leaving age, and the school leaving age in the UK, despite government's, you know, approach to 17 and 18-year-olds, remains 16. Um, and so the good news is that when you've when you reach 16, you will get paid adult rates um, within the equity agreements. You know, so you'll get paid as much as somebody who's you're 21 or 51. Um, the downside is obviously that that those kind of licensing requirements disappear. Um, you know, the, the statutory obligation to provide chaperones uh, to someone who's above school leaving age is not there. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Um, and you know, it's very much the the role of the agency who's engaging the uh, you know who's, who's putting the child forward for that job 
to negotiate those terms with the producer to say, well, actually, we want to make sure this client is safe on set. We think you should be providing a chaperone. Um, and frankly, unless you do, my client is not going to turn up on set because it would not be a safe environment for a 16-year-old girl in that production. Um, so so there, there isn't an automatic right um, once you once you pass school leaving age, but it seems a very sensible thing to do for people who are, you know, under the age of 18 um, and should be something that's negotiated on a on a case by case basis. Yeah. So it will kind of depend on the production and the company and just in terms of what that entails. And particularly if they're engaging other minors as well. I mean, if, if they also have people who are 14 and, and seven on, on set or on, on in the rehearsals for those productions, then, you know, they will have chaperones available. You know, the difficulty I think usually comes where you are the youngest, the only person who's under, you know, 18 on set and the rest is an adult cast and, and you know, the producer hasn't factored in additional responsibility of, of a chaperone for that reason. Yeah. Um, so in terms of when you have a chaperone for a child on set, so are parents allowed to act as chaperones or do they have to have a licensed chaperone who's coming in and being paid? Is that? I mean, parents can act as chaperones and um, and some parents are licensed chaperones. Mm-hmm. I think there are, there are clear conflict of interest issues that come with parents acting as chaperones, um, you know, particularly if, if they're have more than one child and only one of those children is their own it's quite hard for us as parents to you know focus on other people's children as much as <laughs> our own children when we're given a, a choice between two children it's just that. yeah <laughs> um uh, you know and, and your your priorities are somewhat different as a parent uh, and frankly as a parent you'll find that parental chaperones may be more encouraging of people to relax the rules to say oh yeah you know, johnny johnny will do an extra 20 minutes don't worry you know, because the the adults have agreed to it, whereas a, a licensed chaperone should be saying, absolutely no, we need to have a break for lunch, for, for the, the teaching in the day that, that's been allocated for this child. And so I think it is generally safer um, and, and better for children to be chaperoned by someone who's independent rather than a parent. Yeah, no, I I would also agree with that. It's, um, you know, most parents are trying to do their best and support their children, Um but there are some, and having you know worked in stage schools, I've dealt with a few, who have uh, certain ideas about what their children should be doing, and uh, <laughs> and yeah. I, mean, yep. I mean, there's a stereotype of a stage parent, isn't there? And um, like most stereotypes, there was like some stereotypes. There is an element of truth. Yeah, it. there is a little bit. <laughs> stage parents there yeah um so in terms of joining equity um essentially why you know what are the benefits of membership of equity for for somebody who's um you know in that 10 to 17 age bracket i mean the benefits of joining a union in general are that collective protection that you get from being part of a union and if you're working in an industry you should be part of whatever union represents those workers and said it's about collective protection, which means that we as a union negotiate those terms and conditions for the workforce. Um, and as I say, what we're seeing now is, is greater engagement with producers on negotiating proper terms and conditions for minors. So this, uh, the film and television, the, the, the pact film agreement, which is the first one um, that's come off uh, the, the, the list, has just been announced. The, the pact television, which will cover most independent television productions, will be, uh, is, is in the last stages of negotiation now. 
um, in theatre, particularly in the West End, you know, where you where the agreement is is largely that you get paid 50% of the adult rate. Again, the more children who belong to the union, the better those agreements for children are going to be. There's also the individual protections. You know, you don't get paid for a job. You are injured on set. Something happens to you. your agent doesn't pay the money that they were paid for by the producer. Now, all of those things as a child member of equity, you can get the union's assistance with to make sure that you are being treated properly and paid properly at work. At the end of the day, that's what the union is here for, to ensure your fair treatments and your fair pay for the job that you do. And, you know, it's quite unusual. There are there are a few other workforces where there is many children who are actually engaged as, as there are in the entertainment and performing arts. And, and so it's crucial that those children who are, you know, learn by being a member of the union whilst they're working with exploitation financially and physically is wrong and the union is there to back them up. Um, joining, joining as a child is pretty straightforward. Uh, much like our child rates are 50% of the adult rates, the, the evidence you need to produce to become a child member is 50% of that of an adult. So by and large it means showing 250 pounds worth of earnings from our profession it can be one job it can be across a number of jobs um or an equity uh, contract such as the the equity pack film contract or if you happen to be a child member of a sister union like sag after america then you can also join with that and, and you know the most most people join online through the website um, and once your date of birth goes in it will calculate the child rates for you rather than the adult rates so there isn't a join as a child member kind of link it's joined as a member, but when you put in your date of birth as being you know, 2009, for example, it will know that you're a child uh, and, and you know, it will allocate the child rates to you. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks. Because it, it is really interesting, actually, when you think about it like, as a trade union, that, you know, there aren't a lot of other workplaces where you would find people, certainly nobody under 16, you know, working and sometimes doing you know quite long days um you know and and difficult work and i think that's one of the things to get across to parents especially is that this is work like there was a child agent who i like i saw speak one she said this is the same as sending your child up a chimney 100 years ago you know it's not it's not just a bit of fun it's it is a job and you're sending your children out to work yeah it would be a really strange world if you know our kids turned on television and there were no kids on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and what would that say about our society if children were silenced from, from, from screen or from stages? So you know, it makes absolute sense that, that, that children are able to work in our industry. Mm -hmm. They've got to better do so safely. And, um, you know, and, and the union and the licensing structure is designed to, to, to try and make that happen. Um, you know, what I would say is that 10 is our minimum age for child members here in the UK. That's based on the fact that 10 is the, the age at which there is some capacity to contract. So our relationship is always with the child member, not with the, not with the child's parents. Um, and as a union, it has to be directly with the, with the person who is a member, not with the, not with the parent. That said, what the law enables a minor to do is, is to cancel a contract without repercussion. Um, so as a child, you can go, well, I signed that, but, but I, I no longer want to abide by it. And, you know, that is that is legally permissible. Um, but yeah, from 10 upwards is the ability for, for children to join. Fully aware, though, that there are plenty of children aged nine or, or younger who work in our industry. And you know, we, we take a keen interest in their in their welfare. But, but primarily, that's the, the job of the local authorities to safeguard. Yeah. OK. Um, well, brilliant. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Thanks, Michelle. 
Thanks for listening to the Young Members Podcast. Made by the Equity Young Members Committee. Follow us at Equity YMC. See you next time. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.